Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom, Chag Sameach. If you've never attended a Shemini Atzeret service before, then the prayer you'll hear in just a few minutes will be both new and to the modern sensibility altogether odd. The cantor is about to recite Geshem, the annual prayer for rain, a prayer whose origins date back thousands of years to the very heart of Israel's agricultural life. So important was rain to the ancient Jewish community of Palestine that there's actually an entire tractate of the Mishnah wholly devoted to prayers for rain and tales of saintly figures who could miraculously bring about rain to end a drought. Today, as we wrap up Sukkot and we head off into the winter, the Mishnah explains that God's judgment of rain is decreed. The cantor, as you've noticed, is in a white robe, giving full expression to the deepest hopes of our people, a plea set to gorgeous music, that God will bring rain in abundance. As has happened for our biblical ancestors, so to us. Strange as it may seem to us moderns, to the ancient, rain was everything. Its presence, the difference between life and death. Odd as it may seem to devote such energy for a prayer for rain, this year, I want to suggest that it's more important than ever, but not for the reasons you think. In order to explain, let me take a step back. Yesterday, I published a piece in the New York Daily News on the events of this past week in Borough Park. We've all been reading about it. A group of ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Jews who have brought shame to themselves and the Jewish people by assembling in mass in defiance of the law, burning masks on the streets, and assaulting a journalist. From what I've read, there's no shortage of fingers to blame in the city and the state government. It's clear that everyone should have and could have handled this situation differently. But just as clear, as you and I and every school child knows, two wrongs do not make a right. There is never a justification for violence. You can read it, the article, for yourself. In it, I explained my concerns, though, were not just about the week gone by, but about the evening ahead. Tonight, after all, is Simcha's Torah, our annual festival celebrating our love of Torah. Jewish New York hits the streets tonight to dance with the Torah, our joy signaling our love and commitment to our most sacred text. For me, tonight has been of personal significance in addition to communal. I trace the love story of me and Debbie to a sighting of her on West End Avenue decades ago. My third daughter was born the day after Simcha's Torah. I am convinced that it was Simcha's Torah dancing that induced Debbie's labor. The decision to turn all our celebrations from in-person to online has been one of the most difficult decisions of this entire holiday season. My fear is about what's about to happen. In light of the events of the past week, how will ultra-Orthodox Jews observe tonight's festival? How exactly will they choose to show their commitment to Torah? 
Will they, I wonder, consider the opening verses of Genesis remembering that every human being is created in the image of God, and by extension, the saving of a single life is tantamount to saving a universe? Or will they choose to dance with abandon and thus spread illness? Will my Jewish brothers and sisters pay heed to the rabbinic principle of pikuach nefesh, the legal teaching that the preservation of human life overrides virtually every other religious obligation? Or will they, I fear, choose death over life? Will they see this evening as an opportunity to fulfill the biblical commandment of loving thy neighbor, remembering that their actions impact not just themselves, but the entire community? Or will they be found guilty of Chilul Hashem, the desecration of God's name, bringing shame onto themselves and Jews around the world? Finally, will their actions be in accordance with the inviolable rabbinic principle of Dina de Malchuta Dina, the law of the land is the law? Or will they be proven unable to restrain themselves even with the safety of so many at stake? There's ample precedent to choose restraint. In 1848, the cholera epidemic so ravaged Lithuanian Jewry that it was understood that were a Jew to fast on Yom Kippur, loss of life would ensue. The saintly communal leader, Rabbi Israel Salanter, issued a decree granting permission for Jews not to fast, to abridge their prayers, and according to some accounts, he himself publicly ate in order to impress upon his followers the urgency of the hour. Commitment to Torah is signaled not just by dancing with it. Commitment to Torah is demonstrated by living by it so that its life-giving teaching can be passed on from generation to generation. I hope that my religious compatriots choose life tonight. I really do. But I would ask your forgiveness if I'm skeptical. We're a long way away from Rabbi Salanter. My fellow Jews in Borough Park are taking their cues from unseemly leaders, locally and nationally. Besides, it's not as if they're live streaming Park Avenue Synagogue services. As a congregant wrote to me in response to my article, I agree with everything you say, Rabbi, but I don't think your intended audience is reading the New York Daily News. And I certainly don't think that even if they did, they care about what a conservative rabbi thinks they should or shouldn't do. And I think, sadly, that congregant is right. I'm filled with concern regarding what will happen in just a few hours, a foreboding akin to watching a car accident unfold in slow motion, potentially a disastrous evening that could have consequences not just in Borough Park, but ripple into other Jewish communities, our own included, into the future. I've written the article, I've signed a communal joint statement, I've spoken this week to city officials, I've done just about everything in my power to do. And so now let's all do the one thing left to do. Let's pray for cooler heads to prevail tonight. Let's pray that our Jewish brothers and sisters be filled with wisdom and concern for others. Let's pray for the safety and well-being of our city and state officials and law enforcement officers. And most of all, let's pray for the one thing we need most tonight, rain. Not a light rain and not a drizzle. I'm praying for a torrential downpour in all five boroughs. I'm praying for the kind of wind-sweeping cold rain that leaves you bone-soaked and shivering miserable, a rain so powerful that no Jew would dare risk exposing a Torah scroll to, 
I want the rain that will keep everyone, and I mean everyone, inside tonight, safely, securely, and at peace. I pray that tonight will be remembered as a great Simchas Torah washout of 2020. God, as you have done for our ancestors of old, do for us this evening. Give us rain. It may just be the difference between life and death. Amen. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul.